Well, good morning, family. Welcome, welcome, welcome to BT Church. I am Nick, a pastor on staff, and I want to welcome you to our 11 a.m. worship service. I want to welcome all of our first-time guests. We want you to know that you are very important to us. You're our VIP. So, BT family, let's give our VIPs some love. Amen. want to welcome our online family. So blessed to have all of you all. We are wrapping up uh, our Rise Up series in the book of Nehemiah. And so I'll be preaching from Nehemiah chapter 13 this morning. If, if you want to meet me there, meet me in Nehemiah chapter 13. Uh, before we dive into the word, uh, I want to, want to share uh, if you could keep our BT Kingsville uh, family in prayer. Our campus there suffered a fire this week. And uh, thankfully, uh, nobody was hurt, praise the Lord. Uh, but the worship center is, it, it, it has been significantly damaged. Amen. But God was working in all of it. Uh, the fire department was on the scene before a call ever arrived because they were next door at the school doing a workshop. And the firemen saw smoke and rushed over uh, before uh, it got way out of hand. So praise the Lord for that. But Kingsville, we are on the way. Amen. This may slow things down, but it won't stop us. Amen. Amen. And, and, and while God was moving in Kingsville, sort of helping us out there, we had Kids Week. And they say Kids Week was crazy. We had over 300 kids take over our BT campuses. And, and they said... We had over 100 Dream Teamers. If you served on the Dream Team for Kids Week, let's give you a round of applause. Thank God for you. Thank God for you. But it gets gooder. Uh, they told me that 14 kids made a profession of faith in Christ. Isn't that awesome? We thank God for that. And then 27 of them were baptized. We had 27 kids say they wanted to be baptized Friday night. So we're excited about that for what God is doing. It's, it's been beautiful. We celebrate what God is doing. And so I'm just grateful to be a part of a church uh, where God is moving and we're reaching generations. Amen. It's, it's like in, in, in one week we had a, our, our BT Kingsville campus, which, which at the moment is majority uh, our senior saints, amen, uh, they went through their thing and, and saw God provide. And then we had our kids across all our other campuses uh, go through their thing and see God provide. And so it's just beautiful. I'm, I'm grateful to be a church that impacts all generations, all right? So uh, we're going to wrap up our Rise Up series. Has it been a blessing for any of you? It's been a blessing to me. It's been a blessing to me. I, I have bad news, though. Well, I got good news and bad news. What you want first? Bad news, right? You always want the bad news first. Okay, here's the bad news. The bad news is this. The book of Nehemiah ends on an anticlimactic note. Like the book of Nehemiah, it does not end on a good note. That's the bad news. And the worst news is I got to preach. <laughs> I got to preach this. 
So here's the good news. You ready for the good news? The good news is this. The Bible doesn't end at the book of Nehemiah. Isn't that beautiful? That should make you shout right there. But why does the book of Nehemiah end on an anticlimactic note? Because once again, we see the people, by the time we get to chapter 13, we see the people ignoring the word of God. And we see all throughout the book of Nehemiah that, that what gave the people the, the willpower and the and the motivation to rise up and rebuild their communities and rebuild the walls of the city. What gave them that motivation was, was spiritual renewal, spiritual renewal by the power of God and a return to the word of God. And by the time we get to chapter 13, we see all of that kind of being undone. What this goes to show us is this, that when it comes to rising up, what we ultimately need is not a new set of challenges. We don't need a new career change. We don't need a new set of goals. When it comes to rising up in life, ultimately what we need is a new heart. And if you've been in this series with us, you've, you've kind of seen. Last week, we talked about failures and faithfulness, and, and today we're going to Close out the series talking about forgotten faithfulness. That by the time we get to chapter 13, the people of God have forgotten their faithfulness to God. And they had forgotten about God's faithfulness toward them. Let's pray and then we'll dive into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you through the hearing and preaching of your word. It is my prayer for the next few minutes. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let your word be clearly communicated. Let Jesus Christ be highly exalted. Let your people be beautifully blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Nehemiah is a powerful book. It's a great book. Uh, churches preach this book when we, when we want to do building campaigns and leadership campaigns, and it's a great rah-rah book. But, but what I've noticed is this. A lot of times when churches preach Nehemiah, they don't preach chapter 13. Aren't you so glad you go to BT Church? Because we're going to preach chapter 13. But when you look at chapter 13, it ends on a very low note because of this forgotten faithfulness. And I'm just going to dive right in that we can look at the book of Nehemiah and we could, we could get real high and mighty and say, well, how could they forget the faithfulness of God? Well, I'm going to tell you how they could forget the faithfulness of God. The same way you do. Same way we do. How could they forget the faithfulness of God after he brought them back of, of years of exile and God gave them the provision from the king's own treasury to rebuild the wall and rebuild the temple? How could they forget God after he had blessed them so much? I'm going to tell you how they could forget God's faithfulness, the same way we do. Amen. It gets quiet early in the sermon. See? When we look at Nehemiah 13, 
The first way that they have forgotten the faithfulness of God and forgotten God's faithfulness to them is an area that hits very close to home. And I'm going to read this passage and then we're going to break it down. Look at verse 4. Is it all right if we teach a little bit this morning? Yes. Okay. Nehemiah 13 verse 4, it says this, Now before this, the priest Eliashib had been put in charge of the storerooms of the house of our God. He was a relative of Tobiah and had prepared a large room for him where they had previously stored the grain offerings, the frankincense, the articles, and the tenths of grain, new wine, and fresh oil prescribed for the Levite singers and gatekeepers, along with the contributions for the priests. Now, what is going on right here? Well, I'll tell you. Because Eliashib, like us, we are... We are led to forgetting the faithfulness of God when we have unholy relationships or connections. Unholy relationships or connections. Eliashib is a relative of Tobiah. When you read your Bible, read it slow. If you remember in Nehemiah, Tobiah in the earlier parts of, of Nehemiah, Tobiah is an Ammonite. He is one of the enemies of the people of God, when Tobiah hears that Nehemiah is coming back to rebuild the wall, Tobiah is one of the naysayers. So, Tobiah is, is one of the men along with Sanballat that ridiculed the people of God, that said that they were going to attack the people of God. And now in chapter 13, we see the priest, Eliashib, because of his unholy connection and relationship with Tobiah, we see Tobiah basically, he sets up an Airbnb in the house of God. That's what happens. Now, why is this significant? It is significant because Eliashib, as a priest, he knows that the storerooms in the house of God they are not for our personal use. It's not for your homie hookups. Amen. It is for the offerings of God. It's for the things of God. It's, it's for sacred use. And now Eliashib, because of this unholy relationship and connection, he's disobeying the word of God because of a relationship that has a special place in his heart. I'm going to talk to this side because, see, y'all don't like when we go there. Y'all don't like when we go there. We have special relationships in our heart that lead us to walk away from the heart of God. I know y'all don't do that. There was 9 a.m. They're full of them jokers. I know this, this service don't have none of them. If we're honest. The unholy relationships and connections that we develop in our lives, they will call us to leave and forget the faithfulness of God. And notice this, to move, to buy it in, they had to move some stuff out. They had to empty out the storerooms of the offerings for God. 
Notice that they had to empty out the grain and the new wine and all of that other stuff. And, 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 and somebody mentioned this to me at 9 o'clock. I said I was going to preach it. I said I was going to preach it at 11 because it was good. How many of us have emptied the things of God out of our hearts so that, we can re, so that we can replace that with an unholy connection? I don't know. This is what we see. I'm not making it up. It's in your Bible. A lot of times what causes us to disobey God, it's not, it's not up here. It hits us in the heart. We say, you know what? I know what God's word says, but I have a, I have a friend that fill in the blank. I know what God's word says, and I know, that, I know the right thing to do, but I have a child that fill in the blank. Am I in the room today? And what I want us to understand is this, according to the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he says this, bad company corrupts good character. Well, Pastor Nick, what about Jesus? Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus, he ate with sinners. Yes, he did. Jesus did. But notice this. Every relationship that Jesus had with a sinner, Jesus was not changed. Notice that. Jesus wasn't changed. Jesus didn't forget the faithfulness of God. In all of his interactions with sinners, do we see a point to where Jesus disobeys the Father? Never. Never. And some of us have good, special relationships that make us feel good, but are not good for us. Amen, Pastor Nick. They're special relationships. But you can make me feel good and be toxic for me at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. You can make me feel real good and be bad for me all at the same time. And all my brothers here on campus that drink these energy drinks say amen. amen. Yeah, yeah. I'm, that's an in-house thing. These, these guys drinking energy drinks at 11 in the morning. I'm like, it's 11. <laughs> but this is what we see. We see this. And, and, and I love Nehemiah. Look at verse 6. Nehemiah says this, while all this was happening, I was not in Jerusalem. <laughs> Nehemiah says, I just want y'all to know, none of this happened on my watch. I was gone. Because <laughs> if I was there, it would not have gone down like that. <laughs> he said, I was gone. I had returned back. But yes, let's talk about Jesus because we like to talk about Jesus. Well, what about Jesus' relationship with sinners? And yes, Jesus was a friend of sinners, but, but you know, some of Jesus's Strongest teaching is in the area of human relationships. I'm talking about Jesus now. Let's, let's read it. Jesus, uh, Matthew chapter 10. It's in your Bible if you hadn't torn it out. Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 says this. Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now let me pause right there. Everybody like that part of the verse. Daughters-in-laws and mother-in-laws is like, yeah, I'm just following the ministry of Jesus. No, 
Something wrong. But look at what Jesus says, verse 36. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Uh-oh, Jesus. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoa. We talking about Jesus. Look what Jesus says. Uh-oh, here we go. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. If you love me, Hito, more than your master. See, we don't like this. We, we see. I, I love. I love it. We a family oriented culture. We love relationships and everything like that. But Jesus, his strongest, some of his strongest teaching is in the area of human relationships. And what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying this: that your love for him, our love for him, is the primary defining relationship in our lives. And any relationship where we express that love. More than our love for Jesus, that says something about our love for Jesus. How many of us can honestly say, you know what? I need to reevaluate some of my connections and my relationships. Amen. It gets better. Because not only were they engaging in unholy relationships, we see that at this time, they had started to disregard the house of God. Look at it, verse 10. I'm not making any of it up. Nehemiah says this, I found out that because the portions for the Levites had not been given, each of the Levites and the singers performing the service had gone back to his own field. And what... What happened was this, the storerooms were being used for personal use. People are not bringing their tithe and their grain to the house of God. And so the Levites, the singers, and the gatekeepers are not being provided for. And now they have to go out and work their fields and get their jobs. Now, in that time, God set up a system so that the ministers of the house of God, the Levites, they were supported by the people, okay? God would bless the people, and the people were to bring a tenth of their produce and grain. They were to bring it to God's storehouse, and that would be used to help facilitate the ministry of the house of God. Well, now we see that ain't nobody bringing no tithes. Now, I just want to say this. I got, I got to say this because I'm a pastor in vocational ministry. What that means is this. I eat much in this way, that God blesses the people of God. You guys faithfully give your tithes and offering. Praise the name of Jesus. <laughs> and because I serve in the ministry, I'm able to receive amen. Servants worthy of his hire, right? Y'all with me? So, so hear me. I, I understand that this may, this could sound self-serving just because I'm in vocational ministry. I get it, okay? It's funny how 
it's funny how people, you know, they come to church and they see pastors preach on money and they're like, oh, that's self-serving. But every industry that advertises itself is self-serving. You th- think about that. Lawyers advertising, call the doctor, the four, the four, the four, you know. <laughs> All the- <laughs> you know the number. <laughs> That's self-serving. Are you with me? That's self-serving. All these people got these, you know, all these people got these businesses, and you hand out cards, and everybody making everything. People just make so many things, all these little crafts and trinkets. That's self-serving. I mean, you could look at it like that, but here's how I look at it, okay? People are using the gifts and talents that God has given them to provide for their families. Praise the Lord. Amen. You clap for that. Amen. And so this is what was happening. The people were disregarding the house of God. And so now I'm just going to bring it, I'm just going to bring it to 2022, okay? This, I'm not saying this about BT. BT is a great church. But it's almost like this. It's like you want to come hear a fresh word from God. You want to come hear the people of God sing great and glorious praises. But when the pastor gets up to preach, he don't have a fresh word because he had to work a double. So you got what you give your kids when you're tired. You got a hot and ready. You want fresh word, you ain't getting no fresh, you're getting hot and ready. Why? Because the pastor was tired. They had to go back to their own field. You want some good singing, you ain't getting no good singing. Why? Because Nydia had to use her voice all week teaching kids. Y'all see this? And what was happening is the house of God was being disregarded and the worship, was God, the worship of God was being diminished. The people of God were forgetting the faithfulness of God because they weren't gathering together corporately to sing the praises of God and hear about his good news. To be reminded of his faithfulness to the people down through the generation. And I just got to say this. I got to say this, and, and, and I'm not coming for nobody online. I'm not coming. I'm, I'm, hear, hear my heart. One of the negative effects of the church world post-COVID is this. I believe, I believe, it has decreased the emphasis of the corporate gathering. Because when you... Stay home, it becomes easier to stay home. And hear me, if, if you're online, we love you. I thank God that, that we have people watching us all over the world. Somebody said, Pastor Nick, we want you to know that there's a village, a tiny village in Canada that streams BT Church. I said, praise God for that. Praise God for that. 
But Pastor Danny, he says it, and, and we say it often. If you're in the area of one of our BT campuses, come in person. Gather in person. There is something supernatural about the church of God when we gather together at his house. Something powerful about that. I, I can't explain it, but I know when I miss it. And I love, I love deep spiritual people more spiritual than me. They're like, well, you know, nature is my church. I feel you. But I'm from Washington, D.C. That, that nature, mm-mm. I've never heard a tree sing like Nydia. Not yet. And some sounds in nature don't make me worship. They scare the lights out of me. Amen. Have you ever been out there and you hear something? You're like, nope, not about to worship, about to run. You know? <laughs> but see, I think we say all of these cute things because it makes us feel better about disregarding God's house. Can I just say it how I feel it? Y'all know I love, I love everybody. I'm going to just say it how I feel it. I don't mean this in a bad way. Hear me. I don't mean this in a bad way. I just, I, it's just something. I've been in ministry for a long time, and it is, it, it, I am glad when we get to serve families in, in their dark night of the soul. If you're not a member of BT Church, one of the things about BT Church, we are a very generous church, and and we do funerals. We have funerals of people we don't even know. And a pastor, a BT pastor, will do the funeral. I ain't trying to get y'all to go nowhere. I'm just, hear me. I'm going somewhere. But one of the things, people all of their lives avoid church. And then when they die, everybody want to rush to bring them to church. <laughs> that just, that just... Makes my mind go snap, crackle, pop. <laughs> and hear me, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. Some people might take it wrong. Please don't take it wrong. Hear, hear my heart. Hear my heart. If you want to honor the deceased's wishes, and the joker didn't want to come to church when they was alive, <laughs> don't bring them when they did. Now, this might get me in trouble, but it shouldn't because what are you trying to say, Pastor Nick? I'm trying to say this. We have an opportunity to gather at God's house right now when we can worship right now. So let's do it and do it consistently, not ceremoniously. Because everybody wants their wedding in church, want their funeral in church but don't want to raise their kids. In Lord, help Pastor Nick. Let me. Y'all feel what I'm saying? This ain't a venue, an event hall. The house of God. Are y'all with me? Well, they have forgotten the faithfulness of God. And they were disregarding God's house. And I, I, I say this all the time because I, I get to shepherd young adults, and, 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 and I love young adults. I will always go hard for the generations behind me. 
But I always hear people talk about the new generations and the new and what the new generation ain't. And oh, young young folks are giving up on the church. I'm gonna tell you why young folks are giving up on the church because their parents ain't coming. That's why. That's why. Think about it. Think about it. We have entire families discipled to cheer for a college that sometime the dad didn't even graduate from. Can we be real? Let's just be real. I'm not knocking nobody, but you're not an alum of a You went for one semester, but your whole family got a ride for A&M. You know what that's called? Discipleship. What would happen if you would ride as hard for Jesus as you do for a school you ain't graduate from? Lord have mercy. I don't know. I just, I'm just a simple preacher. That's all I am. That's all I am. I'm just a simple preacher. But we can do better. And this, this is what they were doing. They were, they were disregarding the house of God. And then lastly, we see they were dishonoring God with their time. Look, look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. It says this, I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this evil you are doing? profaning the Sabbath day. Didn't your ancestors do the same so that our God brought all this disaster on us and this city? So they were dishonoring the house of God. They had unholy relationships. They were disregarding God's house, and now they're dishonoring God with their time. As you read uh, in Nehemiah chapter 13, Nehemiah said on the Sabbath day, he, instead of seeing people worship, he would see people fishing. <laughs> and instead of seeing people worship, he would see people working. And he, was, he would see people setting up markets and, and everything. And, and he said, now the God who helped the people rise up, nobody had time for that God anymore. Isn't that isn't that amazing how that works? It seems like we, we pray and we ask God for more. And then when God gives us more, we make less time for the God who gave us more. Nehemiah said, I, we had to rebuke the people. We had to put a stop to the dishonoring of God with our time. Now, as believers in Christ, we know that you can worship God on any day. Read the New Testament. We can, we can worship God on any day. The Sabbath principle, though, is one that is non-negotiable. And, and what that means is this. We need a weekly rhythm of resting and trusting God. That Sabbath principle is a non-negotiable. Some people, your Sabbath might be on Saturday. Some people's Sabbath is Sunday. Some people's Sabbath is on Monday. I'll just tell you, like my Sabbath, it's not Sunday because I'm working. Amen. I'm, I'm serious. It, the preaching moment is very important to me. It, it takes most of my week 
to get prepared to do this. So this work. But all of us need a weekly rhythm where we rest and we trust. Where we rest and we trust. Because if we don't do that, what are we saying about our relationship with God? Okay? I'm speaking from personal experience. My wife and I, we just had to have this honest conversation about honoring God with our time because we were overextended. Yes, preachers get overextended. Didn't y'all know that? People are like, oh, I thought you just preached. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. That's cute. I do just preach. And a whole lot of other stuff. But my wife and I, we had to be honest. We, we, were, we were moving like that Beatles song, eight days a week. That's how we felt. We felt like we were going eight days a week. We felt like we didn't have no margin, no nothing. And, and my wife and I, we, we, we had honest conversation. And, and we looked at each other and, and we said, we said, you know what? We're going to have to say no to some opportunities, very good opportunities. But we are overextended. We are grinding too much. And can I just be honest with my BT family? Let me be honest with my BT fan. Some of them opportunities would have been real good for my bank account. I'm going to just be honest. Amen. I'm like, Jesus, ain't this what? I'm going to tithe, I promise. Like, <laughs> let me say yes to this. But we had to say no to good things so we could say yes to God things. And when we... Honor the Lord with our time. When we take a Sabbath rest, we rest and we trust. We need a weekly rhythm of this. We need a weekly rhythm of this. If you feel like you got to go eight days a week, you're doing it wrong. Okay? Why do we need a weekly rhythm of rest and trust? Because when we have a weekly rhythm, Sabbath with God... It helps us to resist the idol of productivity. When we rest, we resist the idol of productivity. Because God does not love us when we do more. God loves us because we are. Just, just because we are his, he loves us. And sometimes we feel like the more that we do for God, the more he's going to love us. Mm -mm. And some of us are working ourselves to a premature death and unhealthy paces because we won't resist the idol of productivity. Yes, you can be productive. Yeah, sure. But guess what? We are most productive when we are most faithful. Okay? So rest. Take a nap and don't feel guilty about it. Some of y'all feel guilty when y'all take a nap. Like, I just don't know what to do with my time. Go to sleep. <laughs> take a nap. Rest. It's good to rest. Nehemiah said we need, we need to 
Remember the Sabbath. Y'all working and grinding and selling stuff and, and dishonoring God with your time. Stop this madness. But also when we have a weekly rhythm of Sabbath, we resist the idol of pride by trusting God. We resist the idol of pride because, see, a lot of us work so hard so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, you know what? The reason why we rise up is because we pull ourselves up for our bootstrap. And I wake up at 6 in the morning and I kick the rooster in the tail, make him cock-a-doodle-doo, then I go at it. <laughs> and because I work so hard, I deserve whatever I want. But you do, that, you do know that's what pride is, right? That's what pride Pride. Stands for, please remember, I deserve everything. That's pride. Please remember, I deserve everything. And here's the truth. When we rest, we trust in a faithful God that reminds us we don't deserve nothing. That God can bless us by the double when we rest and trust in him. Let me close my Bible so you know I'm telling the truth. If we deserve everything, if we deserve everything, you know what that also means? That means we deserve hell. If we deserve everything. This is why I'm so grateful to God for Jesus Christ. Now, as you continue to read Nehemiah, you will see in Nehemiah chapter 13, Nehemiah is a very different leader in chapter 13 than he is in the earlier chapters. In the earlier chapters, Nehemiah is praying, he's fasting, Nehemiah is, is collaborating. But by the time we get to chapter 13, Nehemiah is, is frustrated. He, he is a forceful leader. He is so frustrated and impatient that he now leads by force. I'm not making it up. Read chapter 13, verse 25. Nehemiah says, I found some jokers that didn't do what I wanted them to do, and they were disobeying God's word. And you know what I did? I beat some of them up, I kicked them out, and I pulled their hair. <laughs> some of y'all are like, that's my favorite verse in the book of Nehemiah. But what, what, what Nehemiah did was he forgot the faithfulness of God as well. Because God does not transform us by force. God transforms us by love. Nehemiah said, I forced them to take an oath. And what Nehemiah, when we read the book of Nehemiah, what we ultimately see is this. While Nehemiah is a good leader and an effective leader in some respects, ultimately, Nehemiah is not the leader we need. We need a leader better than Nehemiah. Well, in steps Jesus. And how does Jesus lead us? Jesus does not lead us with force. Jesus leads us with his own sacrificial love. 
The word of God says, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And whenever we're tempted to forget the faithfulness of God, all we need to do is look at the faithfulness of Jesus, how he laid his life down, how he led with love, how he forgave those who we would not forgive, how he forgave you and I. And as we look at the faithfulness of God, we will be transformed. We will be transformed into a people that can honor God with our relationships and connections. As we look at the faithfulness of Jesus, we can be a people that will not disregard the house of God, but will, will gladly come into the house of God like the psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. As we look at Jesus' faithfulness, we will become a people that honors God without everything, including our time. So here's some next steps. How can we, how can we fight? How can we fight the urge to easily forget the faithfulness of God? Well, here's next step number one. What we need to do is we need to dedicate ourselves to God. Dedicate ourselves to God. In the New Testament, Romans says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, which means this. I'm dedicating myself to God. God, there is no area of my life that's off limits for you. I will not empty the storehouses of my heart of the things of God to make room for things that are not like you, for relationships that don't glorify you. Dedicate yourself to God. Next step number two, declare the faithfulness of God in corporate worship. Declare the faithfulness of God in corporate worship. That's why I love church every week because I get to see another brother and sister who I don't know how your week has gone and you don't know how my week has gone, but we all come together and we sing about how good our God is despite our weeks. And I just got to say this. I, I just got to say this. We did this challenge several years ago of, of, at BT Church. Uh, we called it Connect Four, where we were encouraging everybody that calls BT home, everybody that would say, BT is my home. We encourage those people that call BT home to string together four consecutive Sundays. Connect Four. Amen. Connect Four. Get it? That's why we called it. String together four consecutive Sundays. You know, an, a, another negative result of, of this COVID era on church attendance is, is this. Usually they said that the, the stats were showing that people would come to church, you know, maybe once every four weeks. Now that number is about once every five to six. I'm saying think about that. Once... Every five to six weeks, people make a priority to gather in corporate worship. Once every five to six weeks. I know some people that would lose their minds if they miss an episode of their favorite soap opera. I mean, like, 
Like, search it out. Like, go, like you ain't missed an episode of General Hospital in 32 years. And when you miss your episode, you miss it. Like, you feel it. Like, you like, I don't know what Randy doing. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't even know Randy Carey. But you, you feel it. But we can miss corporate worship and not feel it or miss it. Just think about that. Think about that. And I've said this many times before, that, that when you miss church, we miss you. But you might miss what God has for you. Lastly, how do we make sure that we don't forget the faithfulness of God? Decide to follow Jesus. Decide to follow Jesus. This is not just a casual cognitive Assent to all of the beliefs and facts about Jesus. This is a heart connection, a life commitment that we are going to follow Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the ultimate relationship we need in our lives. And what I want to do is give somebody an opportunity now to trust Jesus. I'm going to ask all of us to bow our head and close our eyes. And I want to lead us in a prayer This prayer does not save us, but what this prayer is is an acknowledgement of the word of God that says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's what we're getting ready to do with this prayer. We're going to call on the name of the Lord in faith. So this morning, if you would like to trust Jesus Christ, repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today confessing that I need you. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I'm lost. I need to be found. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I believe that God, you raised him from the dead. And today, by faith, I trust Jesus with my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. My life is yours forever. Amen.